The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage, and all small businesses, and it's heard around the world. And I want to give a heartfelt thanks to all of our listeners for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. Now that you've all had a break, I hope that you're really kicking the hell out of 2013. All of the signs are that this is going to be a fantastic year for business in general, and for entrepreneurs in particular, not just in the United States, where despite having a pretty dysfunctional government, business is starting to really pick up, not only here, but throughout the world. Once we get over the posturing of the Republicans in the Congress, which should happen in the next couple of months, the huge business engine of the United States will kick into first gear taking the rest of the world with it. We had a great response to our program last week about how Virginia City in Nevada transformed itself from a ghost town just 50 or so years ago to a 2 million people a year tourist attraction and a billion dollar turnover. I also had two inquiries from suburban shopping areas who had been hammered by big box stores and mega shopping centres seeking advice on how they could rebuild their business. My advice to them, as it is to almost every business, is to focus on providing a great customer experience and phenomenal customer service. You know, a few years ago, we took on a, um, a similar project for the Janelli Shopping Centre outside of Sydney in Australia, and by a combination of integrated customer service programs and a series of wow experiences in every store as well as outside the store. We had things such as twilight concerts, cooking displays, book signing events, celebrity appearances, and we really turned a dead shopping centre into a thriving hub. Now, it doesn't happen overnight, but the result is really well worth it. Over the past couple of days, I've attended two amazing presentations that have really got me thinking. The first, last Saturday, was by Mark Goodman, a senior advisor to Interpol, who spoke about terrorism and cybercrime and how the bad guys 
are using technology to become incredibly well organized, creating business systems and adapting technology faster than law enforcement is able to keep up. It was a brilliant presentation and it spooked a capacity room of exceptionally successful people. It's estimated that up to $1 in every 10 on this planet is created by organised crime. Goodman detailed a wide range of organised crime initiatives that revolved around their advanced use of technology. Organised crime today doesn't rely on knives and guns. It relies on email, GPS, cell phones, instant messaging, real-time monitoring of social media, accessing large amounts of electronic data and transferring funds very quickly and very securely across the globe. What was amazing to me was that coordinated groups of cyber criminals are even creating and selling software to assist others who want to hack or steal your personal information and they do it with service agreements and guarantees. Same as buying something from Sears. <laughs> Goodman also said that um, there are VCs for the bad guys where you can go on and have them lend you money or advance you money or even take a percentage of the deal, illegal deal, that you're doing. And that stuff to me is just extraordinary. He talked about the attack on Mumbai in 2008, and he said that it was the most advanced, technologically advanced attack in history. The attackers planned for months in advance, and they used Google Maps to determine their targets, entry and exit routes, defensive positions, and other tactics. They used night vision goggles, smartphones, GPS and satellite phones to coordinate with a full terrorist command centre well over a 1,000 miles away. This command centre in Pakistan was monitoring news broadcasts, Twitter mes messages, and other forms of instant communication providing the terrorists with real-time data that gave them a tactical advantage over the security forces trying to catch them. Now, this is a terrorist attack killed 166 people and wounded 308 and lasted for more than two days. It's quite extraordinary that they were that organised. There's a photo of one of the terrorists with a submachine gun in one hand and sending an SMS message on his smartphone with the other hand. Goodman explained that there's been a huge paradigm shift in crime. You know, not long ago, a bad guy would use a gun or a knife to rob one person. Now, they can rob millions of people almost simultaneously without having a gun. So how savvy is organised crime? Goodman explained that the drug cartels in Mexico 
have their own private cellular networks and they put up their own towers and they are probably just as efficient and reliable as AT&T. So while corporations have struggled to monetize their social media, criminals figured out that tweets and Facebook updates are absolutely invaluable tools for planning burglaries. Social media is being scanned with very sophisticated equipment constantly in real time, giving the criminals all the information they need. Or put it another way, you're giving the criminals all the information they need. Posting photos on Facebook about your wonderful cruise in the Mediterranean or the fact that you're out tonight at an event instantly tells the criminals <laughs> that you're not at home, you're not there. In 2011, owners of Android smartphones began downloading mobile banking apps from Google's Android market. These apps looked like they were from Citibank, from Bank of America, from Wells Fargo, from all the big banks. However, none of them were legitimate. Goldman told an absolutely enraptured crowd that the most striking trend is the growing sophistication of global crime syndicates and terrorists. The more technology that you carry or bring into your home or into your business, the greater the risk. The bad guys are hacking baby monitors. They're hacking conference call phones. And the cameras on your computer, tablets, or on your cell phones are being used to spy on you and look inside your home or your office. Goodman suggested that we cover up these cameras when we're not using them. More alarming, he talked about organised crime now being able to kill people utilising advanced DNA and with technology that can interfere with pacemakers and insulin pumps. So they don't have to be anywhere near you if you have any of these health devices to kill you. And they leave absolutely no DNA behind. What was even scarier was that um, organised crime have drones that they can use to spy on you or they can case your property or even load these drones up with firearms and explosives and send them wherever they want by remote control. So they don't have to walk up to you in the street and shoot you. They can just send in a drone. Now, this is 24 in reverse on steroids. The major message that I got out of this great presentation was that I need to frequently change my passwords and my passwords need to be complicated. And I need to be extremely careful with any of my communication technologies. 
particularly what I might post on social media. Now, there's several impediments to catching these guys. They're often in different jurisdictions. They could be right across the other side of the world. The sheer numbers of crimes that are enabled by automation and with broadband speeds, millions of people at a time, make it extremely hard to nail them. And the fact that they use spyware in ordinary people's computers to gain passwords and other information, not only on you, but on all your friends, makes capture and conviction extremely difficult. It's also going to require law enforcement to be much better funded to be able to attract the best people and the best equipment. This will mean politicians will have to understand the problem. The US Congress is unable to understand simple mathematics. They have absolutely no hope of getting a handle on organised crime. It is very scary. And the presentation last night by Sir Ken Robinson, an internationally acclaimed expert on creativity, innovation and education, was as funny as hell. And this enabled him to get across his powerful message very effectively. Now, Robinson's TED Talk on YouTube has been watched by over 200 million people in over 150 countries. Robinson's been honoured by just about every organisation of any note on this planet, including his knighthood by Queen Elizabeth II. Now, last night he made a compelling case against the education system as we know it, in developed countries. He gets across his message with a laugh-a-minute style that is incredibly engaging and he involves everybody. Robinson says that all children start their school careers with sparkling imaginations, fertile minds and a willingness to take risks with what they think. Most students never get to explore the full range of their abilities or their interests, and instead the system is stifling the individual talents and the abilities of too many students, and it's killing their motivation to learn. Robinson argued that the education system is too linear. He believes that schools are obsessed with rigid timetables. And he was extraordinarily convincing when he argued that we elevate some disciplines over others and we reinforce outmoded assumptions of industrialism and we contradict the principles of diversity. He believes that the curriculum should be much more personalised, that there should be more focus on the arts and music, arguing that learning starts in the minds and the souls, not in the databases of multiple choice tests. He also questioned why we are so fixated with educating students by age group. 
he argued that just about everywhere in the world, the problems are getting worse. He questions why we don't get the best out of people and concludes that it's because we've been educated to become good workers and not good creative thinkers. Robinson says that students with restless minds and bodies, far from being cultivated for their energy and curiosity, are ignored or even stigmatised. Last night he gave a wonderful comment on evolving language. He was talking about abbreviations people used in text messages and on Twitter. He was asked whether he was concerned about the decline in English. He highlighted these changes by saying that if Shakespeare came back to earth today, he would not be able to understand a word anyone said. And that's interesting because I couldn't understand much of what he said either. But one of Ken's great lines is, you never think of Shakespeare as being a child. At some point, Shakespeare was seven and he was in somebody's English class. And how bloody annoying would that be? It was an amazing talk. And as Ken says, if you're not prepared to be wrong, you will never, ever come up with anything original. For all you entrepreneurs out there, in order to be successful, you have to have a very broad knowledge of business, not just be a great technician in your field. So I urge you to go to as many lectures by successful people as possible. You can have a lot of fun and you'll certainly learn a hell of a lot. Don't forget, this program is all about you, the entrepreneur or the small business person that is listening to the show, looking for tips on how to be more successful. That is what we are here for. This whole show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs. So if you have a question, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air or we will email you directly. I'm Bob Pritchard and after this break, I will talk with my guest, Mitchell C. Baldwin, corporate consultant and executive coach. And I'll be back with Mitchell in just a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for Entrepreneurs. This is a show that cuts through all of the crap and tells you the information that you need in the way you need it and when you need it. And we tell you exactly how it is. We don't sugarcoat anything here. This show, every week, brings you real information that you can use. Now, this is a segment of the show where we interview people who make a difference. People we can all learn from and help us in our daily business. Now, since the GFC, millions of people have been laid off. And the majority of our listeners will know people who, unfortunately, have lost their jobs. Now, despite last month's unemployment figures, which actually came out today, showing the generation of 155,000 new jobs, unfortunately, in many sectors, people are still being laid off. For example, 15,000 government workers lost their jobs last month. So I thought this week I'd speak to a guy who's an expert in this area and in communication generally, an extraordinary resume, and to get some advice as to how to handle these situations and to get some thoughts on not only people who may have lost their jobs, but also on how fellow employees and employers can better handle the situation. Now, Mitchell Baldwin is a corporate consultant and an executive coach who can transform people's perspectives. He's also an author and a great speaker. As a consultant to Fortune 500 companies, Mitchell's investigation and communication style it enables him to get quickly to the heart of an issue. It doesn't matter how deeply it's buried or how complicated it is. Mitchell has a way to cut through all that and tell it the way it is and get resolution. He's got a knack of helping business people see the obvious, and that's not always easy. Mitchell's a native of Alabama and a graduate of Jacksonville State University, and he started dabbling in real estate with one single-family house, and he's turned this hobby into a portfolio that includes two apartment complexes and 15 single-family residences Importantly, he's helped use these to help revitalise depressed neighbourhoods, giving his tenants hope and a sense of pride in their communities. There's nowhere near enough of this sort of giving back to the community today. And um, Mitchell's been recognised for this. He's, um, he helped found the nationally recognised youth organisation CHAMP, which stands for Caring Helps Another Make Progress the largest non-profit youth group in the state of Alabama, which prompted the former president, George H.W. Bush, to honour him as the nation's 200th point of light for his work with inner-city children in Birmingham. He's received a stack of other awards, too many to mention, and received the keys to many cities, and, and just one hell of a guy. Mitchell, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. It's good to speak with you. Thank you for having us in, Bob. I really appreciate it. Uh, 
obviously um, one of the major issues that's faced our country, particularly since the GFC, is the number of people that have been laid off. Now, what should employees do when they first hear rumours going around the company that there's going to be layoffs? What what should employees first do? Should they, well, I don't know what they should do. I've never been laid off, but what, what should they do? I think they need to go back to the biblical principle on building their ark. Yeah. And the way to do that is to pay off your bills, uh, stop spending your money previously, network as much as possible, and believe that it's happening to you because it is happening. It's not. It's real. I mean, this is nothing that yeah, is going to wake you up one day and say it's a nightmare. No, this is real. Yeah, it's easy to bury your head in the sand, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So they need to make sure that they understand that this is real. Uh, build the art. What I mean by that: pay off those bills, find out what they owe, talk to the families, so they can make sure that all the assessments are being done. The um, is networking the most important part of that, though. Get yourself out there, make sure that you meet as many people as possible, um, use every opportunity you do to to get across that two-minute elevator pitch or whatever you have? I think networking is very important. Um, but Bob, most of us, uh, when it happens to us, we're so embarrassed that we don't want to come out the house. We think somebody's going to come in and knock on the door and say, I got a job for you. You know, yeah. uh, They think that everybody is looking down on them at that point. But that's when you need to redouble your efforts and go out to that ball game when you get invited out. We'll make excuses for not going because we're embarrassed, Bob. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that's a problem that faces most of us. Um, you know, embarrassment's one of those things that, for most people, is hard to get over, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, but networking is critical. You know, uh, don't say no for somebody else. Let them tell you they can't help you. I can't help you if I don't know you out of work. Yeah, yeah, true. It's a difficult thing for people to admit, though. So. When somebody loses their job, what sort of emotions go through the minds of most of them? Do most people think, oh, God, woe is me? Or what do most people think? They're going to worry themselves sick. They're fearful about what's going to happen next. They're very resentful to the company that did it to them. Yeah. They're going to start trying to do ditch-digging things. Uh, they're going to be in shock. They're going to think it's a nightmare, but it's not, you know. Uh, and, and try hard to get past the shock. Yeah. But then, and the resentment. Don't get back at the company. You never know who you're going to need. Is there, um, is there a difference between how um, a single person who's, you know, maybe just finished college or whatever and gets laid off, the, how they think and how a person who is perhaps married with a family. What's the difference in emotional reaction from both of those groups? Major difference. Uh, when you're single, you can always go back to mom, dad, or your parents, you would think. Then you don't have to think about the insurance for your family as much. Uh, you got to look at your 401 situation. Uh, how are my kids going to college? How are my kids going to school? Do I call my creditors and tell them, can I make payments on my daycare? But if you're single, you tend to drive it a little bit better because you can absorb the loss. Uh, it's not as difficult for you as it is when you got three or four other people depending on your income. 
Yeah. Um, when you lose your job, particularly in a tough market like it is now, where it is difficult to get another job, do most employees take the news really badly or are they usually resigned to it by the time they get the news? They, they take it pretty bad. I'm going to tell you why. Most of them got a false sense of security because they've been getting good reviews. Yeah. But most corporations will tell you it's not based on performance. So <laughs> why work hard, they say, you know? Yeah. And the companies are making record profits. Yep. But the employees may as well stop trying to hang on and start moving on. I mean, you got to move on with your life. Yeah, it's a major resentment, the fact that a company makes a massive profit and then lays off a whole bunch of people. Is that is that a resentment that's felt just by people who lose their jobs, or do you think that's a resentment that's sort of felt through the community? It's felt through the community, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to share one thing with you as well. The people that remain at the company, they're resentful as well, because if you tell them that we're making all these profits, we're laying people off, but you see the top executives going at exclusive resorts for training on their private jets a double message there. yeah um, does does productivity of existing employees decrease when other people have been laid off absolutely because they know uh, go back to the point where it's not done on productivity so if it's not done on productivity why am I performing at the level I should yeah. And uh, Bob Pritchett was an outstanding employee. He got laid off. I was not as good as Bob. So I'm next. Yeah. So I'm sit here and milk the clock until they get my number. So, so why don't, why don't um, companies um, fire people based on performance rather than based on seniority or whatever else they use as a reason? Uh, they, well, when it happened to me, they told me it was not based on performance. Uh, and everybody I speak with when I wrote the book, they told me it was not based on performance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that seems a mixed message there. So why do I perform at the level that I should if you don't, if you're not going to pay me for what I do? Yeah. So it, it's got to be, um, it's got to be a temptation if you get laid off to, if you're normally up and out of bed at 6.30 in the morning and you, you know, get ready for work and by, seven o'clock you're ready to jump in the car and go off to work it must be very tempting when you've been laid off to sort of lie in bed and watch the breakfast show and think you know there's no need for me to be disciplined and hurry and or you know do, do people sort of really slacken off or what happens to people that's a tendency but let me tell you your job now is to find a job. You need to get up every morning, put your clothes on as if you're going to work. Get dressed up. I mean, when you look good, you feel good. Get yep. in and finish to go out and work. Let me give them something, one other thing, too, Bob. Um, volunteer. You know, there's opportunities out there. If you find most executives, they're volunteering somewhere. And yep. A lot of times, you don't get a chance to manage people at work. But a volunteer organization will allow you to hone your skills. And who knows, you may find somebody there that can give you an opportunity. I've had that to happen to me several times. That's, a good, by, that's a good idea. Just by being good. Yeah, no, that's a very good idea. So what's the typical mindset of, a, of an employee who's been laid off or has had their hours cut from 40 hours to 20 hours or whatever? What's the, what's the mindset? 
it's amazing. They want to find another good, secure job, just like the one they left. Yeah. <laughs> they want to find a good, secure job, but they're not out there. Uh, they feel as if the company has done them wrong. They feel as if everybody is looking at them differently. Yeah. You know, when you work for a major corporation, you go to the bank, cash your check, everybody knows that's the picture art. Now that you're no longer there, you don't feel that same loftiness. You know? Yeah, yeah. They don't look at you the same. Yeah, I can understand that. But, you know, when people begin to get demoralized, Surely one of the most difficult things to do is to lift yourself up from that, isn't it? I mean, if you're starting to feel sorry for yourself and you're really fretful about feeding your family or whatever, then picking yourself up by the bootstraps must be the hardest thing in the world to do. It is, but you've got to keep positive messages in front of you. Have a good support staff. Yeah. Uh, if you're married, uh, make sure you share with your spouse. Attend workshops. Whatever yeah. you do, don't stay in the house thinking things are going to get better. Go out and work the network. Yeah. Uh, read good books. Yeah. The, read good inspirational books. Yeah. Okay. I guess it, it comes down to totally changing somebody's mindset, doesn't it? Because most people that I know that aren't in a business like yours and mine don't really read that many business books. They really don't really get excited by positive messages like perhaps you and I would. So they've really got to change their whole mindset about the way they look at life, don't they? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it, it's like reality hits you in the head, okay? Yeah. Nobody really cares about you but you for real, okay? Yeah, true. Now, you've got to go out and make it happen. Yeah. Now that they've told you that you're not good enough, you've got to use that as motivation to go on. You can't mope around and feel sorry for yourself. It's okay for a day or so to get past it. I mean, uh, let's face it, as I said earlier, nobody's going to come knocking on the door and say, we made a mistake. Yep. So once, you, once you're gone, you're gone. So um, the employees that fare well, are they usually... In middle management, or not necessarily, or the yeah, floor of the, you and know, a lot of, of it's political. Uh, don't, don't forget that it's political. So if you're going on conferences, uh, stop standing in your room, go down and fellowship with the people that's down there working. But these are some of the people that make it: uh, the competent employees, the yeah. ones that got high self-esteem, the flexible. Uh, here's something I found very interesting: if they had a self-employed parent. Yep. Who knew the struggles of everyday life? Yes, they tend to fare better. Right. Better. Right. So somebody, somebody has been exposed to the world of hard knocks because you know one of the things I say to people, you know, the the keys to success, I reckon, in this world are hard work, hard work, and hard work. And if you um, don't work hard, and don't work smart, and don't continually try to improve yourself, then you'll always fall behind. But in my experience, 90% of people fit into that fall-behind category because they don't try to uh, continually educate themselves. They don't read inspirational books. They don't read how Richard Branson is a dyslexic, pulled himself up by the bootstraps. 
they don't read those things. They don't, um, you know, they're more interested in their day-to-day life. Well, if you were to ask them, uh, a typical employee why they came to work, they came because they came yesterday. Yeah. And that's where their friends are. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think the downsizing and the, the layoff is going to stifle innovation because you're not going to make the... You're not going to go out on a limb to do anything when you know they're going to lay people off. And they, if they don't like your idea, you're the one that gets laid off. Yeah. 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 So it stifles growth, stifles creativity. Yeah. So the, the, the employees that are left behind, you know, you've been working with somebody for 10 years, all of a sudden they're gone. Um, what's what's the mindset of, of that remaining employee? They're dissatisfied, fearful it's going to happen to them. They're going to feel betrayed. They're going to think that they're going to milk the company now. And, and they're guilty because they know other good employees will let go. Yeah. They're going to do very little innovative work because uh, they don't want to ruffle the feathers. They don't want to do anything the company doesn't tell them to do. They're not going to let the company use them because they they got more work to do with less people. So I'm not going to be overworked. It's going to affect the company's bottom line. Yeah. Cut down I... on the performance tremendously. I guess one one of the things, the other things, is that you really can't trust what companies tell you. I know that's a terrible, sweeping thing to say, but I I work for um, a multi-billionaire who um, had very diverse interests, and uh, one of the interests that he had was a radio network, and there was a lot of concern in the network about um, a lot of rumours about... Um, downsizing and about change, big changes to the network and so he decided to personally and he didn't do this very often he'd personally go and address a combined group of all the people in the radio network which he did and he stood up and he assured everybody that there weren't going to be changes that everybody's job was safe that this was going to be a great place to work that you know it was going to be innovative by the time he'd finished his speech the network had been sold <laughs> so he spent an hour convincing people how safe things were while at exactly the same time they were selling it. <laughs> and I've seen that quite a number of times. So um, reassurances from the company to the remaining workforce, in the main, if they, are those assurances treated cynically or are they taken on face value by most workers? They don't trust them at all. I mean, don't trust them, yeah. Let's get to the chase. They don't trust them. Uh, yeah. Bob... The most success I've had is, uh, from what I see with the employees left behind, is with people like you and I, when we come in, see, they can relate to us because we don't have an interest in... Yeah, we got no best interest, okay? yep, yep. So we tell them how it is, how it's going to be, and corporations need to, and a lot of times they're reluctant to spend the money on the soft skills, they say. Sure. But I let them know that the soft skills affects the bottom line hard, you know? Yep, yep. So... But why would they trust you, it, it, as you just said? You know, you're telling me one thing, you sold the company right away. Yep. You're telling me there's not going to be any more cuts. But now my manager, I see him redoing his resume. Yeah, yep. Um, so what, can he, what could or should employers do to rejuvenate their, their remaining employees and enthuse people and get them behind the company? What can they do to make a difference? They need to get people like uh, yourself or me, uh, I, Smart Talk with MCB, to come in and show them what needs to happen. Now, yeah. Here's the thing, you know, 
Years ago, people did this diversity thing, which was valuing others. You know, yeah. that's amazing. But that means to value somebody else. But I don't value me. So teach me how to value me so you can get the real answers, get the real innovation you need. Yeah. It's and hard, what, to, it's hard to put a high value on yourself, isn't it? I mean, it's hard, it's hard for most people. To I find it's it, like you and you and I are probably both egocentrics that you know we would we we would survive no matter what. But the average person out there doesn't have that level of confidence and that level of um, bravado, if you like. So I'm going to tell you exactly you want to, what you want to hear, so I can keep my job. <laughs> yeah. And if you want me to value you, that means telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Yeah. Yeah, that happens way too often. Now, so, there, there are some places for, you know, some people to do certain things like that. And I don't advocate people, you know, ruining their livelihoods. But I think corporations need to understand that they need to have employees that value themselves. Since you say your employees are your most valuable assets anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they say they are, but they don't really mean it. <laughs> in the main you and I know that yeah. yeah yeah Mitchell thanks very very much for your time today um, I really appreciate it now if you'd like to know more about Mitchell or get in touch with him or get one get a book to read that is really easy to read makes sense very insightful go to www.mitchellbaldwin.com and I'll be back with more of the Rob Pritchard Radio Show in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. To the Bob Pritchard, straight talking, no bullshit, tell it like it is, business radio show. And I'm coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles. Now, this is a segment where I answer your emails and 
because we get literally thousands of emails from all over the world, I try to answer at least one email from outside the United States. This email segment is really popular and we get um, tons of tons of mail and responses because I think the answers to the questions that you ask, irrespective of whether you're in Moscow or, or Sydney or Tokyo or Rio de Janeiro, your questions apply to the same businesses all over the world. So it doesn't matter what business you're in or where you're located, business is so global these days that we all have the same problems and the same issues, same challenges. So if I'm reading a question from somebody who is a printer on one side of the world, then the answers that apply to them probably apply to you on your side of the world. So let's get into it. The first email today is from Mindy and Bob Long from Austin, Texas. Mindy and Bob write, Dear Bob, wow, we're listening to your show and are so excited about your interview with David John. This, of course, was last week. You really made us proud to be part of this great New Year's Eve event in Virginia City. We shared your website with as many of the Comstock Cowboys family as possible. Thanks for including the Arts Centre and the History of Virginia City in the program. You are awesome. God, I love emails like that. Don't get them often enough. Firstly, thanks for your great email. It's great. The pleasure was all ours. It was one of the great New New Year's Eve experiences of our lives. For anyone listening who is looking for an extraordinary experience on New Year's Eve next year, this year, you cannot do better than go to the Bucket of Blood Saloon in Virginia City and join David John and Comstock Cowboys. It is a bloody incredible evening that I can guarantee you is absolutely unforgettable. I'll be there again next year, but this time I'm going to join the crew, I'm going to get all dressed up, I'm going to be in my cowboy boots and my spurs and my chaps and my leather vest and my cowboy hat and my guns and I'm going to let rip. It is a fantastic evening, so don't miss it. Want to know more about it? Drop me an email at bob at bobpritchard.com and I'll fill you in some details. My second email today is from Alyssa Johnson from Charlotte, North Carolina. Alyssa says, Dear Bob, my question is a really simple one. How do I get more customers to find my business? I've been regularly using the local newspaper and I've tried mailbox deliveries, but I need to get a lot more customers if I'm going to grow my business. Dear Alyssa, well, thanks for your email. I appreciate it. Now, if customers are having trouble finding you, you need to change the way you think. If you're a small business owner, you need to put yourself in the mindset of the average potential customer. If you're a potential customer, how do you go about buying things? How would you go about buying the product that you make? What steps would you take? Where would you look? And then once you've thought about that, You can then work out how people, other people, 
might find your product or service. So most people these days start with a Google search and then they look for reviews, videos, comments on social media sites, probably recommendations from friends and family. They'll probably look at the relative relevant message boards and the online communities to learn what other people think and what their experiences have been. And they'll also get free samples and trials and whatever else they can get if it's available. So you need to make sure that your product can be found by all of these same means. That means you need a very effective website. You need Facebook pages and Twitter feeds and YouTube videos. And you also need to use keywords in prominent places so that searchers can find you. If you have a number of people that are really, 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 really excited and happy about dealing with you, then ask them for customer testimonials and put them on this on your site. Tweet them and perhaps even record the testimonial on your smartphone and post it to YouTube. Now, a lot of people are afraid to ask people for testimonials. You know, when I go out and give a speech and I think it's good, which, of course, I always do, then I'm not afraid to go and say, hey, look, that worked really well. Your audience really loved it. Would you mind giving me a testimonial? And, you know, 90% of people, 99% of people will always give you a testimonial if you've done the right thing by them. You should also think about targeted local ads because more often than not, they'll probably pay for themselves. And um, you also should search for mentions of your company and your products online to make sure the information about you is positive, that it's accurate, it's easy to find, and is powerful enough to motivate people to buy your product. So, Alyssa, that was a good question. We will send you out a copy of my latest bestseller. It's called Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. It's in a black and silver cover, great cover, and uh, we'll send it out in tomorrow's mail. I'm sure you'll enjoy it, and I'm sure you'll get some valuable information that will that will be a big help to your business. My next email is from Frank Galgado of Chicago, who writes, Dear Bob, I enjoy your show every week, and your advice has helped me to learn a lot about what I need to do in order to be more successful in business. Bob, in your opinion, how much of a part does luck play in being successful? Dear Frank, well, I guess you've heard the old saying, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Well, I think it's really true. I'm not a great believer in luck coming out of nowhere and changing a struggling business and turning you into a, a huge success overnight. I just don't think it happens. If you go out there and continually push the envelope, continually make overtures everywhere you can, then you're much more likely to be so-called lucky than if you don't. To be successful and lucky, 
you need to have meticulous planning. You need to have a great business plan. You need a good team of employees, dedicated team of employees, and some good mentors around you. And also, you need a lot of hard work. And in order to be lucky, you know, you've got to take some risk. It's just like playing roulette or craps. Becoming lucky requires you to take chances. If you always play it safe, you might struggle along moderately well forever, but you're unlikely to win big. However, you need to be sure that you don't make really risky bets because they probably won't pay off. Now, some of the bets that you could make include um, go out and tackle that giant competitor head on. Find out who the best clients are and go in and go for it. Find their weakness, attack them hard. You'll probably find that their service is lousy. So if you go in with fantastic service, um, then you can pick up some of their business. But unless you go and try, knock on that door, you won't get it. Go out and hire that extraordinary person. You know, once in a while a person comes along and you think, God, I wish I could have that person. He'd make such a difference or she would make such a difference to my business. Well, go and hire them. Even if you can't afford them, you'll find a way or between you, you'll find a way. But do it. You never get anywhere by hiring people that aren't brilliant. Make that really hard decision that your team are divided on. You know, you're not sure whether to do it or whether not to do it. Well, bite the bullet. Make a decision. It's better to make the decision and be wrong than to go on indecisively forever. You interview somebody and they're really impressive, but you think, geez, they're going to grate on Fred and Bill's not going to get along with them and... I mean, they're really good, but they really just don't fit the culture. Well, don't hire them. There's always a temptation to say, okay, I'll take them on, but don't. Trust and empower your team. Most people don't empower their teams because they're afraid that they're going to make mistakes. But the more people you empower, the more you empower them, the more innovative they'll become, the harder they'll work, and it will definitely pay off. Announce a really bold project. Get your team motivated behind it, and you'll be surprised just how innovative they become. And don't be afraid to be totally open and transparent about what you're doing. Now, these are a good start, and the more you push the envelope, the more you're likely to get lucky. Frank, good question. I hope my answers have helped to you. We'll send you out a copy of Marketing Magic. That's a book I wrote with Brian Tracy, Jay Conrad Levinson, and 14 other leading American marketers a couple of years ago. It gives you a great range of thoughts on what makes your marketing work. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. January edition has just gone out. 
Send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Google+. It's hard to imagine that we've been doing this show since 2011. It's a heap of fun bringing it to you each and every week. I'll be with you at the same time next week, no matter where you are in the world, to address the critical issues that affect small business everywhere. Thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show for Entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard, and I hope you have a fantastic week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.